Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Continuing with Zechariah, last week we realized that Jesus is known as the servant. He's also called the branch. He is the stone, both the cornerstone and the capstone. Jesus is the Savior, and Jesus is our peace. And now we continue with Zechariah's fifth vision in Zechariah 4.1. Then the angel who talked with me returned and wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And so the angel who talked with Zechariah returned and wakened him as a man is awakened from his sleep. Over and over again in the Bible, it cautions us about the dangers of falling asleep and the need to be awakened. Now, this is not a physical sleep. It's okay to sleep. I mean, no, it's okay to sleep physically. Yes, in fact, it's not good if you're not sleeping physically. But this is speaking of a spiritual slumber. Over and over again, the Bible warns us about falling asleep spiritually, falling asleep as it pertains to the things of the supernatural. And we see this in Romans 13, 11, this caution. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And so some may say, where is Jesus? He's been... He's been proclaimed for 2,000 years to come. How many know it's sooner than it was before? It is coming, we see it unfolding before our very eyes, Bible prophecy. And so it's nearer now than when we first believed, and the night is nearly over. And so we need to put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So because of present circumstances, because of what's going on in the world, we need to be armored up. We need to have the spiritual armor on. And spiritual sleep and slumber are the result of how we live our lives. Ephesians 5.13 says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And so we are to wake up and live wisely. My first point this morning is this. Number one, God has sent us a wake-up call. How many of God has sent a wake-up call to the whole world? I mean, like never before, we're, we're dealing with worldwide problems and challenges. And the whole world is being 
challenged by God. This is a wake-up call. But it's not just a wake-up call to the world. It's a wake-up call to the church. It's a wake-up call to Christians everywhere. Are we sleeping? Are we slumbering? Or are we awake and alert and prepared for his coming? we got to get ready. We can't fall asleep on the job as we serve the Lord. Have you heard the call of God? God is trying to get our attention, your attention, my attention. He is, he is sounding the alarm for us. Are we listening? A couple days ago, I was driving Jolene's car, and it, there was a little warning light that the tire pressure and all four of my tires were low. I don't know how that happened. All four tires were at 20 PSI. And so I pulled over into the nearest gas station, and they had a pump there, and I had to swipe my debit card, and, and the, you know, the pressure on those, on those gas station pumps are, are not always accurate. And so I'm filling up my tire, and all of a sudden, the, while I'm down at the driver's side tire filling it up, my car honks. And man, scared me to death. I'm, I'm kneeling down and I pop up and I go look in the car. The car's running, but nobody's in there. Who honked the horn? Getting a little creepy. And so I still, I go back to the tire and I'm filling it up. And all of a sudden, the car honks three times right in a row. Beep, beep, beep. Man, I'm like, this is, this is really spooky. And then it, it finally dawned on me that the first honk was that I reached the right tire pressure. And the third honk, the three honks were that you've gone way over your tire pressure. So I had to let air out of my tires. I'm thinking, what is with this car? Is this like Herbie the love bug? It's alive. I'm wondering if it, get, you know, and it, when you, when you drift out of your lane, it beeps at you, man. It like beeps at you. I'm thinking, what else can this, i got to read the owner's manual. What else can this car do? Make espresso? I don't know. But it was trying to tell me something's wrong. How many know if you have one of those check engine lights, it's trying to get your attention. There's a problem. And I believe God's honking at us. He's trying to get our attention. There's a check engine light. We need to check our heart. Heart check is very important. Are we sleeping? We are to make the most of every opportunity. We are to redeem the time for the days are evil. We live in evil times. What are we doing with our time? Are we redeeming the time? Are we making the most of every opportunity? Believer's Bible commentary speaks on this. This is the voice of light speaking to those who are sleeping in darkness and lying in spiritual death. The light calls them to life and illumination. If they answer the invitation, Christ will shine on them and give them light. How many want Christ to shine on you? You know, I speak the blessing and say, may God turn his face towards you. It's, that's the same thing. It's his presence. It's his glory. Let Christ shine on you. But we must be awake because we are living in times of darkness. And we need the Lord's light like never before. Crazy things going on in the world, isn't it? I mean, my goodness, now it's the Omicron variant. He believes it's the Omicron variant. But I, I want to encourage you, the next letter of the Greek alphabet is pie, and we can all eat more pie. <laughs> pie is something, I, yes, I can handle that. 
No matter what Greek alphabet is coming, how many know God's still on the throne? And we as believers shouldn't be lulled to sleep. We should be alert. We should be awake because we know his coming is near. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. My daughter-in-law is having twins any day now. And they thought she was having labor pains, but not yet. So when they come, well, I'm telling you, look out. Labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not like be others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. This is the key for us as believers in Jesus Christ. Yes, the darkness is increasing. but That is why it's so important that we stay alert. That we let Christ shine on us. Because we need light in this darkness. We need to know how to respond to these things going on in the world. How to respond in our circumstances and situations. First and foremost, we need to wake up. God's giving you a wake-up call. What you are encountering in your life, I want to encourage you to see it as a wake-up call. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. There's things God is dialing up in our lives. Dialing up in our marriages. Dialing up in our relationships. God is trying to get our attention that something's going on and we need to be ready. Next, the angel asked Zechariah, what do you see? And Zechariah answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. This was, now this is a unique candlestand. It's different than the one that was in the tabernacle, the one that was in the, the Solomon's temple. This is a different candlestick. And Wearsby Bible Commentary explains the difference. The candlestick that Zechariah saw was totally unlike the one Moses had put in the tabernacle. Along with the seven branches and lamps, this candlestick had a bowl at the top into which the olive, olive oil dripped from the two olive trees, which symbolized Joshua and Zerubbabel. The candlestick also had seven pipes going from the bowl to each lamp, making a total of 49 pipes. Man, this candlestick has 49 pipes, oil everywhere. No priest had to provide the oil because it was always coming from the trees. So you had the candlestick in the middle, the olive trees dripping oil in the candlestick so it would never run dry. Seven pipes to each lamp assured an ample supply of fuel to keep the lights burning. How I many you know we need to keep the fires burning? We have to stir up the fire in our hearts. This world wants to lull us to sleep, but we can't let the fire of our lives go out. There is something powerfully symbolic and meaningful about the oil and the lamps, as we will see. But the oil and the lamps figure into the end times. Jesus was talking about the end times when, his, when he would come again. And he shared this parable of ten bridesmaids or ten virgins. Let me read it from Matthew 25 verse 1 in the New Living Translation. 
The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough extra oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. And then those who were ready went in with him in the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. This is speaking of the second coming of Christ. And there are some that are ready and some that aren't. There are some that went in and there were some that were left behind. This is how it's going to be at the end of the days. In Matthew 24, Jesus talks about two men will be working in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be kneading grain and one will be taken and the other left. This is what will happen. There will be some that are ready. They have enough oil and there's some that didn't have enough oil and they'll be left behind. It is notable that all the bridesmaids, including the wise ones, all fell asleep. Even the wise bridesmaids got weary and fell asleep. And this is indicative of the church. There are times where the church has been lulled to sleep by the world. I dare say we may be living in those times. I believe God is trying to wake up the church. I believe he's trying to wake up you and me spiritually. We, this is a wake-up call. Do you have enough oil? Are you ready if the, if the groom is delayed? Remember, he was delayed. He didn't come at the time they expected him to come. All of them received a wake-up call, but only five were ready and able to join the wedding feast. And so I, I challenge you with this second point. We need more oil for our lamps. What does this mean? I'm going to explain. But I want us to consider that. We need more oil. We need to have enough oil for when Jesus comes. Have you run dry or thirsty or empty in your spirit? It's okay. We got to be honest about these things. There have been times in my life where I was burned out. I was, I was burned out on, on pastoring and so much to do and, and feeling so futile and weak. There are times we feel empty and we need more oil. Do you feel burdened or hurting or broken in your heart? You need more oil. Do you feel discouraged, down, or weary in your soul? You need more oil in your lamp. And so what does the oil represent? I'm so glad you asked because I have an answer. Again, from Wearsby, oil is a general symbol of the Holy Spirit in scriptures. Prophets, priests, and kings were anointed with oil. And the word Messiah and Christ mean anointed one. 
And so the oil often in Scripture means the Holy Spirit. It's representative of the Holy Spirit. And so the bridegroom's wake-up call will reveal how desperately we need more of the Holy Spirit. We urgently need another revival. We need a great awakening. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our day. Oh, we've seen it throughout history. We've seen it throughout this nation's history, the Azusa Street Revival, the charismatic renewal. But I'm here to tell you, we need a fresh outpouring of our spirit because we need more oil in our lamp. We need the spirit. I want to encourage you to pray about that. Say, Lord, please fill me with your spirit. It's a great request. Jesus said that we are to ask him to, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to fill us, to immerse us in the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit in our lives. And then this famous phrase, and we've, we've all probably heard it before, but we haven't understood the context. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now you understand the context. You see, there was a, you know, Zerubbabel, or uh, Zechariah was sleeping. He needed to be awakened. God sent a wake-up call. Now, who is this guy, Zerubbabel? I mean, it's weird just to say his name, Zerubbabel. I've never dedicated a baby by the name of Zerubbabel. Somebody may want to work on that because I've just about done every name in the book. Zerubbabel is introduced by Zechariah's fellow prophet in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. Let's look at it. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. That's what he is. He's a governor. And to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And so while, Je while Joshua was the high priest, and Zechariah and Haggai were prophets, Zerubbabel is the governor. Now what would often happen is when a nation got conquered, especially like by Babylon, they'd conquer a nation and then they'd take all these exiles into Babylon, but they'd leave behind one member of the royal family to be the governor, to govern those who were left behind. And so that's what Zerubbabel, when they return, he is made the governor. And so you, you have the priest, you have the prophet, now you have the king, the governor. He was of the royal line of David. In fact, if you read the genealogy in Matthew and in Luke, both of them mention Zerubbabel. That's just the coolest name, Zerubbabel. Now, we see this further defined by our Life Application Bible Notes Zerubbabel was given the responsibility of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. While the prophets Haggai and Zechariah gave the moral and spiritual encouragement to resume the work on the temple, Zerubbabel saw that the task was carried out. As the work was being completed, the prophets encouraged Zerubbabel and told him of a time when spiritual apathy and foreign oppression would forever be abolished. Now this is, this is important. Zerubbabel had the responsibility. He was the king. He was the governor. He was the leader in charge. 
and he was given an impossible task. His responsibility was to rebuild the temple, but they didn't have enough resources. They didn't have enough manpower. They didn't have enough personnel. When Solomon built his temple, David, his father, had been saving up all the materials for years. Now here, they didn't even have the supplies. They didn't have the money. They didn't have the materials. And yet he was called to build the temple, to do the impossible. He had to realize, I can't do this on my own. I'm here to tell you today, you can't do it on your own. Whatever God is telling you to do, whatever challenge you're facing, whatever obstacle, whatever trial or tribulation you're in right now, I want you to understand, you can't do it. But don't be discouraged. God can. On our own, we can't make revival happen. Now, we can prepare for it. We can prepare our hearts. We have prayer every Sunday night. We are praying for revival. But only God can make it happen But we can make ourselves ready. But the important thing to understand is this. Number three, we can't fix what we are facing. On our own, we cannot fix our problems. We cannot fix our circumstances. We can't fix the people in our lives. How many, well, don't raise your hand. How many of us, we're not gonna raise our hands, we're fixers. We love fixing things. We love fixing the, you know, the car. We love fixing people. Problem is, is we're not, we can't fix people. If you try to fix somebody, you turn them into a Frankenstein. They got the bolts in the neck and the scar in the head and everything. It's like, oh, somebody tried to fix you. (laughs) I want to tell you, you you can't fix your marriage without God. This is what, I, I, I can't stress this enough. We've been trying to do it on our own. We've leaned on our own understanding, even though Proverbs tells us not to. We've tried to worry this thing out. Oh, we're going to worry till it gets better. Oh, yeah, ah, that's great. It'll never get better. We have tried in our own strength. We've used our own intellect. We've tried to make things happen. But we can't fix it. Not this time. It may be a problem. It may be a person. It may be a personal problem. But it will not be solved or resolved on our own. We can't fix our problems. We can't fix other people's problems. Sometimes that's liberating. I mean, you know, sometimes we feel obligated to fix other people. It'll set you free if you realize, I don't have to fix people. It's not my responsibility. The solution to what we are facing cannot be coerced or forced. Now, this saying, when we say, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. I never really considered that when saying not by might, not by power, it's talking about my own personal strength. It's not gonna happen. Not by my might, not by your power, but by his spirit. Look at Zechariah 4, 6 in the message Bible. This is God's message to Zerubbabel. You can't force these things They only come about through my spirit, says the God of the angel armies. The temple was the responsibility of Zechariah or Zerubbabel to rebuild, but he had to realize he couldn't do it. And God was telling him, it's okay, Zerubbabel. I know you can't do it. 
You're still responsible, but you got to let me do it. Not by your might, not by your intelligence, not by your education, not by anything of this world are you going to be able to do it. It'll only be by the Spirit of Almighty God. We can't fix these things. We can't fix these people. We can't fix these circumstances. Zerubbabel was in the same place. There's no way he could do this on his own. Or even with the people. It was above all of them. They didn't have what it took. It wouldn't work in the natural. It was going to require something supernatural. You see, sometimes God brings us to the end of ourself, of our own strength, of our own effort, just to help us realize it's not going to happen in the natural. He calls us to go higher into the supernatural into the spirit. Look at Zechariah 4, 6 in the CEV. So the angel explained that it was the following message of the Lord to Zerubbabel. I am the Lord all-powerful. So don't depend on your own power or strength, but on my spirit. We shouldn't be depending on ourselves. We shouldn't be depending on others or depending on this world. We must depend on Jesus. You know, we, we keep trying to make something happen. You know, there have been times in my life, I didn't know what to do. And you feel like, well, i got to do something. i got to at least look busy. But a lot of times when we force it, when we try to make something happen on our own and in our own strength and with our own limited knowledge, it just makes it worse. It's okay to admit you can't do this on your own. It's the, it's the beginning of becoming free. When someone finally says, I'm, I can't do this. I'm an addict. I can't do this. That is a liberating place to be. Because you know it's greater than you. And you know that greater power is Jesus. Look at this in the Life Application Bible Notes. This is so good. I wish I'd have written this. Many people believe that to survive in this world, a person must be tough, strong, unbending, and harsh. Isn't it true? Isn't that what the world is? The world's harsh. And so we think we have to be like the world. But God says, not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit. The key words are, by my spirit. It is only through God's spirit that anything of lasting value is accomplished. The returned exiles were indeed weak, harassed by their enemies, tired, discouraged, and poor. Can you relate? But actually, they had God on their side. As you live for God, determine not to trust in your own strength or abilities. Instead, depend on God and work in the power of his Holy Spirit. That will preach. I think it just did. It, anything that's going to really happen is going to be by God. You know the scriptures say, unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. God's got to build this house. And I'm talking about this house. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about this church. I'm talking about Christianity. The Lord's got to build the house. Or we're wasting our time. And we're wasting our energy. If we're doing something God hasn't told us to do, remember, he's going to work with us and through us and for us. But it's not going to be us. 
We won't get the glory this time. My last point, number four, say it by your spirit. I think we got to say this. We got to say it. We got to pray it. We got to believe it. And we got to proclaim it. When that problem you're facing right now, three words, by your spirit. That obstacle you've come up against, that impossibility, that broken relationship, you got to say it by your spirit. I believe this is something we need to speak to. I encourage you this coming week, whatever you face, when that worry comes on you, when that anxiety grips your chest like a metal vice, you got to say the three words by your spirit, not by might, nor by my power, not by my intelligence or anything else or ingenuity. It's only by God's spirit. For too long we have depended upon ourselves and we can't do that anymore. God is taking all those things away that we used to trust in. Now the world's a mess. It's crazy. People are freaking out. And yet God's people should be calm because they know it's by his spirit. I want to encourage you today. We got to say it. We got to pray it and we got to believe it. Do you have a prodigal in your family? Is there someone, a child or a grandchild that's astray? A parent, a sibling? I want you to know you can't fix it. You can't make them come home. Only God can. All you can do is say it and pray it by your spirit. You don't have the power or the might or the wisdom to convince them. It's only by God's spirit. We have to understand the power of God's spirit, what it can bring in our life. Look at Romans 15, 13, and I close with this. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to tell you what the power of the Holy Spirit brings to your life. The power of the Holy Spirit brings hope. Hope's a good thing. The power of the Spirit will, will make you filled with joy. Don't you want to be filled with joy? I'm tired of being filled with sadness and discouragement. And fear, I want to be filled with joy. Well, you got to trust. I got to trust. By the power of the Spirit, we will have peace. But we have to say it. We have to pray it. And we have to believe it. We have to trust in Him. It is not by our strength, but by His Spirit. I want to do something a little different today. I've felt so strongly impressed by this message that there are people that need a breakthrough in their life. They're carrying burdens that maybe no one else knows. I talked with somebody one time that they said they were in such a desperate place of their life. Their family was falling apart and they'd come to the church and they felt like they were sitting all alone. But I want you to know that you are not alone. First and foremost, you have God with you. 
And I believe you have God's people behind you. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you today. If you're fighting that battle, you are going through a circumstance there, or maybe you have a loved one that's walked away. Maybe your, your heart is broken and your soul is dry and you need more oil. You need more of the Spirit in your life. If you are at that place where you realize you can't fix it, you can't worry it to death, the anxiety is killing you, it's time to say three words, by your spirit. So if you're in that, that battle, I want to pray for you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want prayer, would you just slip up your hand? You say, Pastor, I need it. I can't fix it. You can slip your hands right back down. I want you to know by raising your hand, that is a step of faith. God saw every hand that was raised, and God is working. You can't fix it. It's okay. He can. But we got to let him. We got to do what he tells us to do and not operate in our own strength and our own wisdom. We need his strength, his wisdom. And so I want to encourage you today and throughout this week, whenever that fear arises in your heart, you say those three words, by your spirit. Father God, you saw every hand that was raised. Lord, there are people here today that are at a desperate place. They're at a broken place. They're in such, they feel absolutely alone in their circumstances. There are people that are grieving broken relationships. There are people that are fearful of how they're going to make it financially, God. So, Lord, I just pray that when the enemy whispers his lies, we would say those three words, by your spirit. And so, Lord, for everyone that raised their hand here today, I want to speak that over them. By your spirit. Not by might. Not by our power. But only by your spirit, Lord. You can do it. Fill us again. Lord, fill our lamps with oil. Fill our hearts with the spirit. Fill us, oh God. We are your temple. Lord, let the light shine in the darkness. Give hope, give peace, give joy. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. At this time, I'm going to dismiss, but I'd ask you to keep your conversation to the lobby because there are people that are going to come forward in the altars the elders will be here if you would like prayer or if you would just like to kneel and worship i believe the song nathan has chosen is just perfect so if you want to tarry a little longer you want to hang out a little while it's okay god bless you all thank you for tuning in today we are so excited that you joined us if you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. 
By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California. At 4901 California Avenue, we would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.